Hello, and welcome to the LMA podcast featuring thought-provoking conversations with legal marketing and business experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, you are listening to the Strategies Live podcast, where we look at subject matters and issues affecting legal marketers and the work that we do. I'm Dave Poston with Poston Communications, a national PR, content, and crisis agency. I've been active in LMA since 1995, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to host today's podcast. Our guest today is the Florida Bureau Chief for American Lawyer Media, Rachel Lean. Rachel oversees the brand of the Daily Business Review and all of the DBR's content, which appears on law.com. With that, I'll kick it over to Rachel to further introduce herself. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I work for ALM, which has many legal brands across the country from California to New York and internationally as well. One of those is the Daily Business Review, or DBR for short, um, which is a South Florida brand. And it's got three main beats. So there's litigation, which is courts and judges and cases that are being litigated. There's business of law. So that's like managing a law firm and everything involved in that. And there's real estate. So deals, transactions, trends, litigation with developers that distribute our coverage and also kind of acting as a liaison with the legal community as well. And I am originally from England, by the way, so that's why I have this accent, but I've been based in South Florida for about 11 years now. Rachel, we're so thankful that you're able to join us, and a warm welcome to those of you who are tuning in to Strategies Live for the first time as well. This podcast series coincides with the subject matter that's featured on Strategies and Voices, LMA's official online publication. You can visit the site at strategiesandvoices.org. The past few months, our content is focused on the communications domain and the LMA body of knowledge. In today's conversation, we will talk about best practices in media pitching and how to build a working relationship with journalists. So with that, I'll just dive right in. Uh, Rachel, you told us just a short bit about the many brands ALM has. Could you share a little bit more, perhaps about the newsroom structure across those brands? Yeah, so I think this is actually a common misconception that I'd love to kind of explain how it works. So traditionally, newsrooms um, often had like an editor-in-chief, right? So somebody who was kind of at the top of everything and oversaw, oversees everything and works with every single reporter, maybe even edits every story. Um, A lot of newsrooms, including ours, don't work like that anymore. So the way that ALM is structured is we've got all these different brands, um, many of which are legal, and each for each brand we have a brand editor and that's for example me for florida and that person acts as like the liaison with the legal community um they also write stories and kind of aim to push the needle with um their own work um and they are basically responsible for the content contributed and like reporter content and pushing that out um i also kind of I'm responsible for the metrics, so like how well the stories perform. But that said, there is also a theme desk with theme editors. And those editors are the ones that work directly with reporters. So, for example, we have um, a lot of litigation editors across the country. 
And they are the ones that work directly with the litigation reporters and, you know, hammer out stories. And then those stories eventually come to my attention and I figure out kind of how to deploy them. Um, my role is slightly different to the other brand editor's role because I do um, work directly with one reporter and that is the real estate reporter. So that's kind cool. of my little unique part. But yeah, generally that's how ALM is structured in the newsroom. Well, that's super interesting and, and really helpful for understanding how ALM journalists uh, need to, uh, to sort of receive information, how they're working. Uh, do you also contribute to the ALM research um, compilation um, efforts um, for, the, for the great research that the organization has? Actually, no. Um, that's more, so for example, that would be something that the theme desk would work on. So there'll be a, a business of law theme desk. Um, it's not that nobody involves me. People will ask me questions because of my kind of position. Um, I'm somebody that talks to the legal community a lot. So the business of law theme desk will often come to me and say, like, you know, what are you hearing about such and such a thing? Or who should we probably reach out to about this? But when it comes to the actual like AM Law 200 stuff, things like that, that's something that the theme desk handles. And, and we kind of talk about it, um, but they take the lead. Oh, it's so helpful to know and understand mm -hmm. that structure. Well, um, moving on quickly to sort of 2022, could you share perhaps the top focus areas for the DBR and or broad, more broadly at ALM? Yeah, so for DBR, um, across all beats, we, we don't just want to write about what happened in this particular case or this particular law firm, but we really want to focus on why should the readers care? Literally, why does it matter to them? And how can they apply it to their own workday? Mm -hmm. um, so that means really thinking about who the reader is, right? That's legal professionals, real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. And so that often means uncovering not just trends or issues that are playing out right now, but also what's on the horizon? What's next? We're really interested in in kind of trying to get ahead in that sense. How can readers, legal professionals, prepare for what's next? Or what are the threats on the horizon? Or uh, what do they need to know to have an edge in their practice? Definitely. Well, and then from, from sort of a editorial meeting or editorial team perspective, are there some key issues that you are seeking out um, information on or hoping to cover this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm hesitant to put too much emphasis on like specific issues because in a way we're open-minded, right? Like if you bring an issue to us and explain why it's important to lawyers, great. But yeah, some of the dominant issues right now are um, the talent war and all of the astronomical rates that are being offered to associates right now. Yes. So, you know, yeah, if you think about that in terms of how a law firm leader would think about it, um, how do you retain talent in an environment like that? And like for associates, it's not sustainable in the long term, right? So when might that bubble pop? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, many people say it's those who'll be making the most, who'll be the first to go. So I think that's a very interesting, important topic. Mm -hmm. Also on law firm management, being in the office versus remote work, obviously everybody loves having the flexibility now to work from home. And it's great, 
but law firm leaders are kind of worried about the camaraderie and the mentorship opportunities that have been lost with that and I feel that they are struggling to get everyone back together on a regular basis um, so we're interested in that. I also think that cyber security is a major issue at the moment and we are seeing a few law firms and businesses that are getting tangled up in litigation over breaches and being accused of not having tight enough security and that kind of thing so I think that's something that law firm leaders should care about um, and in litigation um, the courts so South Florida already had a backlog before the pandemic mm -hmm. um, so we're definitely interested in hearing about what courts are doing or not doing to expedite cases and what kind of effect that's having on litigators and clients and also um, what kind of litigation trends are there um, that always changes uh, all the time doesn't it like any types of lawsuits that plaintiffs firms are going after and having the most success with uh, for example Americans with disabilities lawsuits have been prevalent for a while um, especially ones that like involve companies being sued over the accessibility of their websites and apps mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing um, and then on the real estate side and the business of law side the migration to South Florida right the DVR that's interwoven in almost everything so how will that affect law firms? How is it changing the decisions they're making already? Or, you know, how should it change them? And um, what issues could be on the horizon for newcomers or because of the newcomers? So, yeah, because of this, I'm sure everyone listening knows the real estate sector down here is on fire. The rents are crazy and homes are tripling in price. Um, there's also a lack of land crisis. So how is this affecting all the um, real estate sectors. Oh, that is so interesting. Well, and you know, I think with the Daily Business Review brand, you are a, a unique brand in terms of having the name business in your title. Um, mm -hmm. How are you involved in ALM's focus on the business side of law or even for businesses themselves? Yes, well, this, um, is a new thing that I'm very excited about. Um, what makes the DBR unique is that we are launching a new initiative and it's focused on small and medium-sized business owners. Um, for a long time, we've had obviously the word business in our name and, and that's mainly referred to the business of law, right? right. Running a law firm. Uh, but now the same way that I just explained that we write for an audience of lawyers, we also want to produce content for business owners. Um, a bunch of ALM editors actually got together to brainstorm this and we realized like I work with legal professionals and another editor works with finance experts, another has insurance, employee benefits, etc. And we realized that if we put all of these experts together and all this information together, who might that serve? Um, small business owners. Yes. So we're imagining content that could draw from all of those different areas and kind of walk business owners through particular issues or tasks from like filing taxes correctly to office leases. Um, and it's actually also an ideal time, I think, because of the influx of businesses to South Florida at the moment. Absolutely. Well, and I remember um, speaking with you about this previously and why I was so excited is that I feel like for a number of years, law firm leaders have tried to 
help their attorneys become better business counselors. And, you know, while you may be practicing a specific piece or for a specific matter or something, um, just having a larger uh, viewpoint on what the uh, legal service delivery is, I think this is going to be a great alignment with that effort in firms. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of merge those two areas because there's a lot of overlap, as you as you mentioned, um, and kind of both of those um, groups of people always want to get in front of each other. So I'm excited to kind of combine the two through the DVR. Well, and so are you the pilot project, would you say, for, for ALM in that regard? Yeah, this is a new thing and um, we're launching it in mid-June. So it's basically um, still in the um, newborn stages and we're going to figure out how it works, but it's, it's exciting. Definitely. Well, let me jump into the nuts and bolts, if you will, about um, uh, how legal marketers can work with you. And these are sort of um, real sort of uh, simple, short uh, logistics type questions um, for creating outreach strategies with you and other journalists, best practices, if you will. Um, How and when do you like to be contacted? During business hours is always good, um, unless it's like some kind (laughs) of emergency, right? (laughs) Um, yeah it it sucks when it's like late at night and it's not an emergency and and like a PR professional calls about something it's just kind of frustrating sometimes although I understand from the other side that um, lawyers can sometimes make something feel like it's an emergency when maybe it's not you know yeah yeah, email is best I think for everyday type stuff if it's important then a call um or maybe if an email has kind of just got lost in the cracks it's good to call and just kind of um say i think maybe you forgot about this just reminding you i i'm fine with that um but i will say that there's nothing more annoying to a reporter in my opinion than like getting lots of phone calls when you when you're really busy or on deadline and and kind of realizing like this could have been an email um so if you do that all the time, I just think that you might find the reporters will not answer as much. And then one day when it really is urgent, like you might be frustrated because of that. Um, um, so yeah. that's, yeah, that's my preference. But it's definitely worth asking each reporter what their preference is, because the answer might be totally different. And they'll probably appreciate the fact that you ask them. Well, and so I don't forget to ask you later, what is your typical mm-hmm. deadline? Oh, the deadline for the DBR is 2 p.m. every day. Um, so usually, that yeah, usually the reporters will um, pitch their story around like, you know, first thing in the morning and then get the go-ahead from their editor. Um, or if it's real estate, get the go-ahead from me and then their deadline will be 2 p.m. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and then how do you like information to be presented? Do you prefer sort of structured pitches uh, do you do you like short couple sentences? That's a good question. I think more information is not always best because mm-hmm. um, you don't want to bombard the reporter with loads of paragraphs, right? That they don't even have the will to read because they're really busy. Um, so I think that means like be very thoughtful and intentional about what you do, right? Um, because if you intrigue the reporter, you can always follow up with more information that they'll then be excited to you know read about so this is going to be different for every publication but if you consider um what we've been talking about about dbr um a smart pitch would not just say oh these lawyers have landed a 20 million dollar verdict it might instead say 
this $20 million verdict could serve as a blueprint for medical malpractice litigation because the lawyers use the unique strategy to prove negligence or something like that. And, you know, you could tell the reporter that the lawyers can discuss how they did it and what the challenges were. Um, that is a pitch that a DBR editor is going to say yes to because uh, that's your goal at the end of the day, right? You want the reporter to take an idea to the editor that makes the editor say, yeah, this is worth your time. Oh, that was so well said. That's a great sentence, honestly, to use. Um, <laughs> and uh, do you like it when uh, firms will share additional sources in their pitching so that you know that there's you know, broader folks for you all to speak with? Yeah, um, that, that's very helpful because um, every reporter, as soon as you get a story pitch that you're interested in, your next thought is, okay, how do I source this? How, who else could I speak to? So anytime you can offer more help in that regard, I think it's great. Well, and speaking of, you know, maybe getting past the pitch into actually the moment when they may mm-hmm. speak with you, um, any tips on for PR professionals to properly prepare their managing partners or their attorney expert sources for you? Yeah, I would say for the record, it seems like most do prepare them quite well because I've never like really had any major problems. But it, it's always good to let them know what to expect. So as a PR professional, you might you're very used to dealing with journalists. You might even have been a journalist once before yourself. So you might kind of take for granted what um, the lawyers don't know. So, you know, you can just explain how that works. And um, you you might, for example, we might ask if we can record the conversation. And I've had a couple of of occasions where lawyers have got a bit spooked by that because they're lawyers, they're overly cautious. Um, So things like that, you could just explain to them beforehand that, you know, this is a common practice that journalists do and it's to ensure that they don't misquote you or get something wrong and, you know, they're not going to put this recording of you on the internet or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and if a lawyer does want to speak on background during an interview, that's okay. But um, maybe um, remind them that they should just be clear about what's on background and what's not so that there are no misunderstandings later. Definitely. And um, yeah, and, and you should definitely give them a sense of what the publication is looking for too. Um, everything that you as a PR professional have learned about DBR, share it with them. Because um, again, they, they might not realize that. Just like I explained what the DBR aims to do with its coverage, Um, explain that to the lawyers so the best quotes and insights from any interview I do it usually comes from the same question which is what is the takeaway here for other lawyers Mm -hmm. Um, because often the lawyers answers are so insightful and something I haven't even thought of so if you've kind of encouraged them to spend some time thinking about that beforehand then that definitely helps well and you know I think when it's um once an interview has occurred, you know, we often hear the question of, you know, how, how could I develop a longer term relationship with Rachel or one of her colleagues? You know, would she want me to provide information to her outside of the firm and really try to build a relationship? How do you feel about, um, you know, welcoming those kinds of bits of information that they might have outside of their own organization or own law firm? Um, and, you know, how often do people try to be helpful and build a relationship or are they sort of intimidated and thinking you may not have time for that? Well, for, for the lawyers, for example, um, 
that's really the ideal scenario to stay in touch over time. And I know that it's easier said than done because everyone's busy. But as reporters, we shouldn't only be talking to lawyers when there's a story that involves them, right? Like we should we should also meet with them and chat with them on the phone from time to time uh, just to check in because you can have organic conversations that way. And um, in fact, I've never, I've never done that without it ending in like at least one story idea. So um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's important for reporters and lawyers to build these relationships and, and that's how you do it. So if you as a PR professional can facilitate that, then brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then um, as far as, being a PR professional um, and, you know, having long-term relationships with reporters, that is also a really um, great thing to do. I realize that it's hard. There are challenges for that. Something that you have to kind of work at over the long term, right? Because the first time you might email or call a reporter, you're you're very anonymous to them. And Mm -hmm. I guess it's easy for the reporter to like ignore you or just not not notice you so I think it's something that you have to be more persistent with over time um, but it's important to have a long-term relationship with reporters um, it will pay off in ways that maybe you didn't expect because they'll think of you absolutely well I, I one of my mentors who trained me in the industry I remember when she started a relationship with a, a reporter from the Wall Street Journal and eventually they became such good friends she was at her wedding um, so I, I, I encourage people to remember that you all are um, out in the business world as professionals and we're all working in the same industry and um, yeah. it's great relationships to be had, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, and can you give us a couple of examples of either mistakes that PR professionals have made or, or uh, good moves and good efforts that they've made um, that you recall? Yeah, I'll start with mistakes. And this is not to be... Um, like overly critical because I'm sure there are things that PR professionals could point out that I do that are annoying or mistakes. But anyway, um, blowing up, blowing up my phone on a regular basis about like very minor things, I think is a mistake because as we discussed, um, it can kind of cut reporters off from answering you because it, you know, you interrupt their day a lot. Um, Where you aren't yes. sure what, what they've got to tell you is... Yeah. yeah, or you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be important, so I'm not going to answer it right now because the last three times it wasn't, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some people give off the impression that they, they kind of want the hand-holding a little bit. Um, and it's understandable um, because sometimes they have a question about something, but um, sometimes that question could have been something that they could figure out themselves or even, like, winged it. Um, you know, that doesn't mean don't ask me a question, by the way, please do. But but just sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness instead of permission anyway. Like if it's a small thing, um, mm-hmm. just say, oh, I did this, by the way, instead of doing that. I hope that's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and there are some PR professionals that um, sometimes describe things as um, mistakes or like sound the alarm over something when actually what they really mean is uh, my client doesn't like how this was written. Um, and I understand because that's a big deal for you and it's a big deal for the the client who is upset with how a story came out. But it's very different to there is a factual error in this story, mm-hmm. right? So a reporter is, is going to get frustrated with you if you try that approach, if you try to get them to change what they've written 
even if it's factually accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd recommend not approaching it from that way. And just maybe talking to the reporter about why why the client is unhappy with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even had, this is rare, but I've had um, somebody that sent edits to a story that I'd written, like, here are my client's edits. <laughs> and After they would... Yeah, after publication, they were just kind of crossing things out and rewording them. And um, yeah, so like they wanted to change something like the percentage sign to the word percent. And like that's an AP style thing. So it's just kind of that that's something that can't happen. I know lawyers can be difficult to work with. Right. But I guess that means coaching them on how reporting works so that they know that they can't just edit a story post publication. Well, it's such great advice. I appreciate you going at some of those head on for sure. Did you have one more? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Um, I was going to mention um, some of the things that are helpful to do oh, if you yeah. want me to move to that. Yeah, for sure. Well, so the best PR professionals to deal with have, are those that when you've made a mistake, um, they're patient and they have an understanding of what it's like to be a journalist. Um because every reporter is going to make a mistake at some point because we're human and we have off days and we get confused and sometimes we get things wrong. Um, but I think, I think the best reporters understand that when a mistake is pointed out to them, it's not an attack on them. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate when somebody quickly tells me that, oh, this is not correct and here's why um, in a respectful way. So I just think that there's no need to make a big performance about it, but um you know, if if a PR professional does quickly point out something is wrong, then I know I know I can trust that person to pull me off on a mistake if I make one, and that's a good thing. Oh, that's such a nice thing to to say and um, generous and helpful for sure. Yeah, um, and and actually, um, you asked me earlier about how to kind of grow relationships with journalists, and and there's another point I'd like to make on that that I forgot to mention. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's those who've made the effort to meet with me in person and take an interest in the kinds of things that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. So I know it's easier said than done because it takes effort from the reporter to meet up as well. But always try and meet with them. Um, because once you've met with someone, um, don't you just see their name differently when it pops up mm-hmm. in your inbox? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's easy to ignore anonymous Joe, but it's really hard to ignore them when um, you know you know that they're Joe Blogs from ABC Marketing who told you stories about his wife and kids, and then like you really don't want to ignore them. Then you, you've met them and you've put a face to them, and um, it's just different. So I I definitely recommend meeting with reporters whenever you can, um, and also I find it helpful when PR professionals just regularly ask me um, how can I help what are you working on at the moment and do you need any sourcing mm-hmm. yeah I and and lastly I've always appreciated those that have the ability to sort of bounce back from setbacks like if I don't reply or if a story dies for whatever reason even though I know it it's frustrating and it sucks um for you and your client but if I I don't feel like they're holding it against me you know then mm-hmm um that's really great and I think that builds the relationship long term mm-hmm. um and I'm going on a tangent now but if that happens <laughs> sometimes <laughs> there, there is a way to still make something work like we didn't use this story or this interview but could it be repositioned as a Q&A or a contribution piece 
mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a way to keep everybody happy, right? Because the client might be upset that their interview didn't make it in. So that means that the PR professional does more of the work here, but you could still get your client's coverage that way. Well, and it's it's so true, and I'll I'll support and second you on all of that. I I had one situation I remember that um, it took about three years for actual coverage to occur, but it was it was great when it came out, and, and there were reasons why that it was important to wait that long. You know, uh, yeah. So so true. Yeah, I but, can relate to that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I could probably talk to you for another half an hour, hours, a few hours today. Um, But because we are trying to keep it short for the listeners, is there any last thoughts that we haven't covered that you would like to share? Um, Yes. Just always feel free to reach out to us. Um, Often lawyers will ask me, how do we get in the DVR? Um, And there's no exclusive club or anything. Just reach out to us. Um, we all like to hear from you because you're the audience that we're writing for, um, PR professionals included. And even if you're not, even if your client is not comfortable being quoted in the DVR story, for example, it doesn't mean that you or they can't have a relationship with a reporter. Um, there are a lot of defense firms, for example, whose clients obviously don't want their name in the paper, but those law firms are still part of the DVR community. And so we still want to know what they care about and we want to hear their feedback and your feedback. Um, we want to know what we should be covering that maybe we're not right now. Great. Well, Rachel, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I, I look forward to continuing to work with you and thank you for extending that invitation to the members of the LMA and taking the time to do this. It's been really helpful um, to all of us. Thank you. You too. Thank you for taking an interest in the DVR. Absolutely. For those of you who are listening, please be sure to read the articles featured this month on Strategies and Voices at strategiesandvoices.org. You can also check out other LMA podcasts and educational offerings on a variety of topics related to legal marketing at legalmarketing.org. And if you aren't already, please be sure to subscribe to the LMA podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and rate or review our episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time. That concludes another installment of the LMA podcast. To discover all that LMA has to offer, visit legalmarketing.org. For links to content featured in this episode, please check out the show notes. If you like the podcast and want to help others find us, we hope you'll take the time to subscribe to it and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and have a great day.